lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Indeed, may the 4th be with you. Greetings, happy Monday. Thanks for tuning in here today, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre and Todd Erzin and all of you on a Monday. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. Keep that number handy because we're going to let you use that a little bit later on with our Monday Town Hall. You can also email us, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Steve Day Show. And don't forget, if you're looking for clips of this show that you can sample or share with others, go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace. That's youtube.com slash Steve Dace. We have a jam-packed show for you here today. Uh, evidence that America is about to become great again. Bob Vanderplatz will be here and joining us in studio for the first time in what, it's been almost two months, I think, since we've had Bob here with I us. I believe so. Yes. So a major milestone has been passed. Our our first in-studio guest in uh, amidst the billowing aromatic clouds of coronavirus-infested air. So we look forward to that. And I'm sure Bob will come away every bit as positive for coronavirus as Chris Cuomo was. Uh, also, next hour, you've been hearing a lot about the food supply chain. So I thought, hey... Why don't we talk to somebody who's actually on the front lines of the food supply itself? So we're going to do that. We're going to talk to an actual Iowa farmer. What is he seeing out there? What is he hearing out there? What do we need to be concerned about? That's coming up next hour as part of our Monday town hall. And then we're going to ask you the question that I polled this audience on Twitter with over the weekend. And I waited, I timed it so I could get an answer of what people thought before the president spoke last night with his Fox News town hall, and then what they think afterwards. We're going to share those results with you later and ask you the same question. Do you think President Trump is doing enough to reopen America? So all of that and more. But first, of course, we must begin with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were locked down. What happened while we were locked down brought to you by the king of doubling down. That we really are on the other side medically and that this is a great success story from the federal government. Well, I can own, well, it's too soon to say that really, I guess, because, you know, we're still in the middle of something. But certainly we would have lost a lot more people, Brett, if we would have done, as an example, you call it herd. If we would have done herd. In other words, everything's wonderful. Let's just keep going along. Herd immunity. We would have lost two and a half million people, I think, or a million and a half or two million people. No, I think we've done, I think the American people have done a good job. That's right. President Trump is apparently dying on the Fauci, Burks, Imperial College, Bill Gates, Doomsday Modeling Hill. He made those comments during a Reopen America town hall on Fox News last night. Last week, Vice President Mike Pence came under intense fire for not wearing a mask during his visit to the Mayo Clinic. During last night's town hall, he said, I didn't think it was necessary, um, uh, but I should have worn the mask. In completely unrelated news, President Fauci told 60 Minutes over the weekend. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You're sure of it because people are listening really no, closely to this. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. One of the chief panic-born peddlers of the last few weeks has been former FDA chief Scott Gottlieb. He said this over the weekend. And so while mitigation didn't fail, I think it's fair to say that it didn't work as well as we expected. We expected that we would start seeing more significant declines in new cases and deaths around the nation at this point, And we're just not seeing that. 
The newest serology study in the United States comes out of San Diego, California. It found around 2% of that population has already been infected and recovered from the Wuhan coronavirus. That would mean the true number of infections is over 20 times more than the confirmed cases. And it makes the case fatality rate there go down to just below 0.2%. Another recent serology study out of Boise and Ada counties in Idaho shows a seroprevalence of 1.8%. That's 13 times higher than the number of cases that have already been been confirmed, and it makes the case fatality rate drop to around 0.2%. As Americans enjoyed a rather warm, pleasant weekend for the most part, petty tyrants were still out and about, starting with Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. And this is how it's going to be. We will shut you down. We will cite you. And if we need to, we will arrest you and we will take you to jail. Period. There should be nothing unambiguous about that. Don't make us treat you like a criminal. But if you act like a criminal and you violate the law and you refuse to do what is necessary to save lives in the city in the middle of a pandemic, we will take you to jail, period. You're driving too fast? Jail. Slow? Jail. You're charging too high prices for uh, sweaters, glasses. You ride to jail. You undercook fish, believe it or not, jail. You overcook chicken, also jail. Undercook, overcook. Later that day, a camera found Mayor Lightfoot wandering the streets of Chicago yelling at the youths. You want to take, you want to take this virus back to your house and get your mama sick? Let's move on. So, we can handle this one before a tattoo artist in Apex, North Carolina, chose to defy his state's coronavirus guidelines and reopened his business. He was later arrested and led out of his tattoo parlor in handcuffs. The Elizabeth, New Jersey Police Department tweeted out drone footage of its city with the caption saying, quote, Regarding comments on drones, we are trying to save lives, not to be Big Brother. If this plan saves one life, then it's worth it. All it's doing is spreading an automated notice about social distance. No recording or pictures are taken. Just a tool of encouragement to follow the rules, end quote. Blaze TV host Candace Owens had her Twitter account suspended over the weekend for a tweet in which she said, quote, Apparently, Michigan Governor Whitmer believes she is a duly elected dictator of a socialist country. The people of Michigan need to stand up to her. Open your businesses. Go to work. The police think she's crazy, too. They are not going to arrest 10 million people for going to work. According to addiction specialists and authorities from around the country, the nation has seen an acute uptick in deaths and overdoses from opioids during the pandemic. A new academic paper from the International Long-Term Care Policy Network finds 57% of COVID deaths in Spain took place in nursing homes, 53% in Italy, and 45% in France. Learning Chinese today, today's phrase is, letting the virus spread to your parents and grandparents to protect your 401k is not pro-life. And now this, a new story from Forbes, details tracking data from Apple and the foot traffic app Foursquare and shows the lockdowns are ending whether or not governments want them to. Traffic in the U.S. and other countries like Germany have been down almost 72% in the past weeks. 
And now they're getting back to normal in some places. Visits to fast food and gas stations in the Midwest are getting back to pre-pandemic levels. Grocery shopping in the U.S. had spiked during the pandemic by around 30 to 40 percent in some regions. And now that's back down to normal levels as well. In other news, the U.S. women's national soccer team's claim for getting paid as much as the men's team has been dismissed after a judge found they're actually getting a better deal overall than the men's team. When Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer isn't forcing her state's residents to house arrest, she's now apparently spending her time running flack for Joe Biden. Why do you believe Biden and not Kavanaugh? Are, are they not both entitled to the same presumption of innocence, regardless of their political views? You know, Jake, as a survivor and as a feminist, I'll say this. We need to give people an opportunity to tell their story. But then we have a duty to vet it. And just because you're a survivor doesn't mean that every claim is equal. It means we give them the ability to make their case and the other side as well, and then to make a judgment that is informed. I have read a lot about this current allegation. I know Joe Biden, and I've watched his defense, and there's not a pattern that goes into this. And I think that for these reasons, I'm very comfortable um, that, that Joe Biden is who he says he is. And finally, it's officially a cult now. Today is a pretty big day. The beaches are fully reopened for the first time in more than a month. And while some residents are happy, some are not. And one of those people is Waltham County resident and Florida lawyer, Daniel Olfelder. For those of you listening, that's a dude dressed up as the Grim Reaper on a Florida beach. I think it's premature that we open our beaches. Uh, I'm a huge proponent of public beaches, and I've been fighting for that for years. But I think that uh, the, the danger of bringing all the people here to our area and spreading the virus, and I think it's going to prolong the recovery we have. And that's what happened while we were away. That clip goes on to see the reporter take the microphone without wearing a mask, take the microphone back from the Grim Reaper who took it from her. Well, after she spoke into it without wearing a mask. So Aaron's montage brought to you by books. Roses are red. Social distancing makes us blue. But if you can't be with mom this Mother's Day, don't worry. They've got you covered. Maybe give mama. You can't give mom a hug, but you can send mom some flowers from the books company. You know, that's short for bouquets. Their flowers, some of them even come from farms on the sides of volcanoes. So their flowers stay fresher, longer. Flowers and plants have been proven to reduce stress and boost productivity, and we can all use a little bit more of both of those things right now, right? So if you want big savings, you can send farm fresh flowers, plants, and gift gift bundles, I should say, to all the moms in your life, your mom, soon-to-be mom, wife, grandma, dog mom. If you're a mom, treat yourself, right? Send smiles no matter the miles with books.com slash Steve. That's books.com slash Steve. B-O-U-Q-S. B-O-U-Q-S. Books.com slash Steve. And you save 25% off of your entire first order at books.com slash Steve. We are going to discuss a cosmic level of cell phone uh, known as Megan Rapino, arguing the precise point she claims to be against coming up in the overtime today. And, and even today's courts took a look at it and said, are you believing me? No. I mean, we probably even agree with your argument, but you have to make it better than this. We, we, 
we can't sign on to this. It undermines every cause. You are literally making the premise of the argument you claim that you are against. You are so dumb for real. All right, so we're going to get into that today in the overtime. BlazeTV.com slash Dace promo code Steve. BlazeTV.com slash Dace promo code Steve, and you'll get the most discounted subscription we have ever offered here at BlazeTV.com slash Dace promo code Steve. If you're already a subscriber, cool. Just hang out. It'll be posted for you later today. Let's get to the rest of Aaron's montage because there's... Um, there's a lot of tasty morsels in there. Let's start with the president. I had a conversation today with a little birdie who works with and is directly connected with the White House. And he mentioned to me a couple names he's heard this from directly. I'm not going to repeat those names because it would likely out him. And I don't want to do that. I'm not going to burn a source. Okay. But there are names of high ranking people in this operation that you would know that are incredibly frustrated with what they're hearing from the president that they work for. And what I was told this morning is that essentially Debbie Burks has Trump bewitched. They're the same age. She's elegant, dignified, smart. He loves women like that. And her and Fauci have essentially set up the ultimate good cop, bad cop MO. Where Fauci comes in and says, man, we got a John Travolta boy in the bubble everything every day. And Burks responds with, well, that's a little unreasonable. You know, instead of dialing it up to a 10, let's stick with a 7 or a 6.5. And the president says, yeah, that's, that's, that seems reasonable to me. I have not gotten a single positive review anywhere in any of my various inboxes that we make available to you each day. Not a single positive review of the president's performance last night on Fox News. Not a single one. Now, here's why that matters. We're going to show you these Twitter poll results coming up here at the bottom of the hour when Bob Vanderplatz comes on here. Here's why that matters. Because, well, Steve, you're, you're not a, you know, necessarily a huge MAGA Trump shill show. So what does it matter? That's exactly why it matters. He's already going to get all those people. I mean, he could just do this between now and November 3rd. Okay, six months from tomorrow. All those people are voting for him, right? Every last one. I was planning on him basically doing that. <laughs> and I still said out loud I was going to vote for him. <laughs> All right, so, uh, you know, our audience consists of a, 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 a rapidly decreasing segment of what's left of Never Trump, because what's left of Never Trump is really not very conservative anymore. There's very few truly conservative Never Trumpers, all right? We have some of that still in our audience. Orange man, bad, basically. But they're conservatives. Not that many. Um, we have, you know, some a hardcore segment of MAGA followers. But the kind that, you know, um, didn't join a cult. The overwhelming majority of this audience are people that kind of really don't, maybe some days, like the president, really, really don't want the Democrats to win and are looking for excuses to vote against Democrats. That's the, that's the overwhelming majority of this audience. I mean, if I had to just guess anecdotally, and you know, I try to, it gets harder the more our show grows, but I, I try to, I've always tried to be the host that engages the audience directly in my inboxes as much as I can. If I had to guess, man, it's probably 85% of our audience are those people Maybe 80. Let's, say, let's go down to 80% of those people. 15% are your hardcore MAGA types. 5% are whatever left of never Trump. 
that hasn't joined Bulwark by now because they're actual conservatives and they think they realize Bulwarks are basically a bunch of liberal Republicans. Do you think that's even remotely in, uh, fair? Probably. Well, probably. Yeah. Okay. You're not winning without those people. You're not. Yeah, that, that's though. That's who you need to win in November. And what I'm hearing and seeing from you and from sources I know is this. This reminds me so much of Bush in Iraq, where he just allowed the narrative of the quagmire of, that Iraq supposedly was at the time. He just allowed it to paralyze his presidency. And I remember that so well because it's that happened right when I made the switch full time from sports to news talk was right in the middle of that. And I was still at that stage where I really believed you could bring freedom and democracy to the Middle East. I mean, I was still a true believer. And I'm not now because I, you know, just experienced what the last 15 years were like. But I was, you know, like many of you, hey, defend what we're doing here. Defend our troops. Stop sitting there and taking it in the shorts from the media every day and do something other than send Dick Cheney out once every few weeks to grumble into the microphone. You know, there, there's a home front to win here beyond just the battlefront in Iraq, right? Get out here, inspire us. Do you remember some of those conversations, some of those days sure. what that was like? This is beginning to feel like this. There's an easy win for him to take. An easy win. What was the original rationale for the shutdowns? Flatten the curve. Flatten the curve to avoid a, a, a collapse of our healthcare system, right? Just simply come out, take the W, Mr. President. Take the win. Take the win. And just say, hey, we almost did it too well now. We got hospitals closing in rural areas and every other hospital in, across America in most places laying people off. Mission accomplished. We won. You know, the fight against the invisible enemy continues, but this is America. We've been fighting contagions and invaders while, you know, um, making money for 240 some odd years. Back to work. Take the W. Take the win. Take the win. Now, he's still out there last night quoting the numbers from the IMHE model. Wait until next segment when I show you the IMHE said was going to happen in my home state of Iowa today. In its original, in its original calculation that included social distancing. Wait until I show you those numbers and then compare them with what actually happened. I, I have thought all along, there's no way he's losing the team dementia. I got to tell you, I'm not so sure as things stand today. And, and the reason why is he's getting in the way of his own recovery now. He's tripping on his own phallus here. Pardon the expression. I mean, this recovery is going to happen with or without him. Too many governors now are making moves. The people have had a taste. Look at that data, that, that data from Apple. And what that also tells you is the social distancing is unenforceable. Just like traffic laws, you can't arrest every speeder. The difference is you don't have a constitutional right to, own, to drive a car. You do have a constitutional right to pursue happiness and freely assemble. You do have that. And so if you're going to infringe on my constitutional rights, but you can't enforce those laws evenly, you can't avoid doing so capriciously, that means you can only do so tyrannically then. 
right? If you can't do it justly, then you can only enforce them tyrannically. You can only do so unevenly. I don't think it's any coincidence the largest police union in New York City came out this morning after the first weekend of back-to-back 70-plus degree temps in the city since last year. Central Park flooded with people like it would be any other first weekend in May. I don't think it's any coincidence that this is the moment the largest police union in New York City came out this morning and said, tell the mayor we're going to stop. We need to stop enforcing these. These are unenforceable. You can only put the police in a bad spot, only be in a bad spot. So this is moving on. With or without Donald Trump. Now he can, he can, he can latch on to it and then take credit for it later. And I can't believe I have to sit here and urge Donald Trump of all people to do that. But here we are. That's why you're right to talk about him losing right now. He's he's in lockstep with the likes of Brian Stelter on this, right? He's gone. I know. He's gone. Howard Hughes on us. I know. We hit we hit that inspirational moment two or three two weeks ago when they announced the initial phase. Well, at least I found it inspirational. Just speaking for me. And ever since then, man, it has just been. We're now at the point that the same weekend Pence is like, yeah, I should have wore a mask in a hospital. Well, if, if you're the only one wearing a mask and everybody else was was, or you're the only one not wearing them and everybody else was wearing them, why are they worried about you? Their masks must suck. The whole point's dumb, okay? But, but at the same point, Pence is like, oh, no, yeah, you're probably right, I should have wore a mask. Fauci's out there like, people don't need to be walking around wearing masks. These people know what they're talking about, Steve. Uh, y- y- here's, a, here's a rule of thumb. Stipulated, see if I get a second on this proposition. If you cannot out-panic porn Anthony Fauci, you're absolutely wrong. That's my proposition. Can I get a second? Second. All in favor? Aye. The ayes have it. Okay? The thing with Scott Gottlieb, who's a big pharma prostitute, and I've just kept my mouth shut about him because the whole I've had my, my focus on Fauci and, to a lesser degree, Burks for the last month and a half, but, that, but Gottlieb's a turd for big pharma and has been the whole time, too. Hey, we can't do hydroxychloroquine, which costs less than a buck a pill. But we can do this remsevir, whatever the hell it's called, that costs, what, a thousand or something a pill? I read this morning, 4,500. 4,500 bucks a pill. And, an, and a peer-reviewed study is already out saying, yeah, this, this, this can cause organ damage. Is that a problem? A little bit. That's a bit of a problem. But at least we have money. We got a $1,200 stimulus check. Yeah. So you can pay for your... 30 million uh, unemployed and counting. We wrecked the greatest economy in the world. We told people that need biopsies that are going to regret the fact they didn't get it done later. And and, and don't get back surgeries and other things when you get paralysis later. We kept you all at home for the last two months. Only to find out, hey, we still killed grandpa anyway. Because every country, the data Aaron showed you in, in Western Europe, every free country is showing the exact same thing when they look at it. Anywhere from 43 to 57% of all the deaths in all these free countries are all occurring in nursing homes. So it turns out Team Lockdown was the one that didn't mind killing Grandpa and Granny after all. And if you can't lock down a nursing home with a largely immobile population, tell me what you can lock down. You can't lock anything down. Which is why the largest union in New York City, the largest police union, is saying, we need to stop this. It's unenforceable. These are unenforceable. And now we have the president is going against science. 
Herd immunity, he said this was a strategy. Herd immunity is not a strategy, guys. It's breathing a strategy. Yeah, yeah, that's like saying, hey, you know what? Um, I, they told me not to jump out of this plane, but I don't agree with gravity as a strategy. The laws of physics are not a strategy. Herd immunity is how we have fought these contagions for thousands of years. And by the way, the new big pharma pro-vaccinate everything strategy, that's also how we get to herd immunity. You vaccinate enough people so that they now get out into the gen pop to help encourage herd immunity. That's herd immunity is the win. It's not the strategy. That's how you beat these things. You can't defeat every microbe. For goodness sake, Steve Dace and Bill Maher are on the same side, guys. We can't defeat every microbe. That's why we need the strongest immune systems we can get. Instead, we told people for two months, stay indoors and keep disinfecting everything. Take Mr. President. Stop talking. We'll take it from here. Me, shows like this, we'll take it from here. We'll take care of your reelect because clearly you don't you have you don't have this thing figured out. The more this is about panic porn, sir, you can't win. You can't win. There's certain issues that whenever see it's not about winning a majority of the American people, folks. It's about winning a majority of the American people who show up, who vote. When you, look at the, when you looked at the exit polling in 2012 and it showed a majority of Americans still blamed Bush for the slow economic recovery, Mitt Romney lost right there before a single state was called because the electorate had been framed in a way that he couldn't win that argument. Number one issue people voted on in 2018 midterms, health care. That's why Trump lost. Republicans lost the House. They couldn't win that argument. They failed to keep their promise to, to get rid of Obamacare and now they owned it. 2004, when the number two issue was moral values, John Kerry lost. Because that framed the electorate. Issues frame electorates. They propel turnout. And then that turnout, who is it? Not so much how much of it is, but who is it? It is. That determines who then wins on election day. I promise you there is absolutely no scenario where panic porn over coronavirus is a top number one or two or three issue in November that Donald Trump wins that election. Not going to happen. It doesn't matter if Joe Biden forgets his name in every debate. It, he will not win that election. He will not. On the other hand, if the top two or three issues are economic recovery and confidence, then the Democrats could dig up the bones of, of their former science that they now want to reject Thomas Jefferson and Andrew Jackson reanimate them and they will still lose to Donald Trump. He is keeping the conversation on an argument. He cannot win a subject. He can't win because here's the other part of it as well. He made mistakes. Everybody did every, all the experts did every governor did every mayor did. There's no way around that. Everybody made mistakes. I know his desire is to come out of every situation infallible. That's not achievable here. And the longer he tries to achieve it, he's going to cost you replacing Ruth Bader Ginsburg next year. And maybe Clarence Thomas in the next four years too. He needs to get off of this subject and get on an argument he can win.
He can win the argument, hey, I'm the president that brought the economy back. I'm the president the first time. I'm the president that can do it again. That's the message they, I was told by a little birdie they were planning on running on. Did you hear much of that last night? I certainly didn't. Certainly didn't see it in my feeds afterwards. You guys, If it was said, you weren't getting that message because I didn't see it shared in clips or anything else. What I heard shared was, well, I want the schools to come back, but maybe not old teachers. We've got a half dozen countries now reopening schools. Because the children aren't the vector to the virus for the teachers. It's the other way around. The serology studies Aaron cited from Boise and San Diego also don't include minors. So the case fatality rate's even lower than that. Enough of this. At this point, he would help us if he just stopped talking. We've won every other argument until he runs out to scream chicken little. Just go do your rallies, man. Leave the rest of it to us. We got this. Because it's been people like the ones on this show that have driven a lot of these states to reopen largely without help from President Trump. I can't want him to win more than he does, and neither can you. This argument, he can't win. He cannot win re-election on Debbie Burks's talking points, I promise you. And it doesn't matter how much aluminum Joe Biden chews or how many women, all right, that he, that, that he assaulted. He's not beating him on Debbie Burks's talking points, period. He's not. Not happening. More in a moment. So in addition to their generous support of Mercury One, Patriot Mobile has gone above and beyond to help Americans stay in touch with their loved ones during this difficult time by lowering their prices even further. And right now, their U.S.-based team is standing by to design your customized family plan starting as low as 25 bucks a month. All right, Patriot Mobile shares your values. They never charge you hidden fees. And unlike Big Mobile, they won't send your hard-earned money to Planned Parenthood or any other leftist cause. So you can get the same reliable nationwide service and support a company that shares your values, supports our Constitution, and puts people before profits. Switching is easy. Keep your phone number, bring your own phone, or buy a new one if you want. Right now, when you join their family of freedom-loving Americans, they will waive your activation fee, plus send you a free gift. If you use the offer code Steve, so a free activation plus a free gift when you use the offer code Steve on top of their lowest prices ever. Call 972-PATRIOT to take advantage of that. That's 972-PATRIOT or you can go to their website, patriotmobile.com slash Steve. Their cheapest prices ever plus a free activation and free gift at patriotmobile.com slash Steve. Well, another sign that America is becoming great again. We have our very first in-studio guest sharing the waffling, billowing clouds of aromatic coronavirus-infested air. Our good friend Bob Vanderplatz is back here in the flesh. How are you, my friend? Well, I left my mask out in the in my pickup. I should have brought it in, but uh, I'm thrilled to be back in, throwing all caution to the wind, living on the edge. Uh, Always thrilled to be sitting next to you, my friend, Steve Dace. And we've already, we're, we're a minute into this. 
and he's lied once at least already. Right? <laughs> no, my mask is in the truck. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. All right, so let's do this. I, w- I want to give our audience here, because you know both of these individuals well. You bet. All right, and you know both of them better than I do. So I want to give our audience kind of a tale of the tape of two leaders. Can we do that? Sure. All right. So the president gave a, a town hall last night in front of the Lincoln Memorial. It was supposed to be a town hall on reopening America. But based on what I've seen in all my inboxes, now I don't know what you've heard. I didn't hear a lot of people that got some kind of inspirational call to reopen America, but a lot of tepidness, um, a lot of Debbie Burks and Anthony Fauci's talking points and Donald Trump's, f- uh, you know, flavor of delivery. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of mixed messages. And so I, I started this Twitter poll and this is, this is going to be one of the most voted on polls we've ever had. I started it once we found out there was going to be this town hall. I wanted to see what people thought before. And then I let it run well into the night and into this morning to see if there'd be an immediate reaction. Okay. Of, 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 Change of opinion. Once kind, kind of like the stock market rebound. Sure. Uh, when he addressed the America at one, Ex- at one point. Exactly. Here are the final results. We asked our audience, do you believe President Trump is doing enough to reopen America? All right. 71.17% said no. 28.3% said yes. He got about a point three per So three tenths of a decimal point bump. Um, it was 72 to 28 before he spoke last night. So the feeling remained pretty consistent. Yes. And the reason why I think this matters quite a bit, as I explained at the, the top of the show, is our audience is who he desperately needs to win this election. There's about 5% of our audience that are, you know, Cheeto Jesus saves. Mm-hmm. There's about 10% of our audience that is still orange man bad. And a few years ago, it would have been higher than that. But but now we're you you've pretty much have seen there's very few truly conservative Donald Trump opponents left. Most people that maintain the notion they're never Trump uh, are just people that are really just liberal Republicans. Okay? They're mainstream establishment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eighty or and they think Nicole C. Wallace is a good show. Sure. Right? Eighty, I'd say eighty percent of this audience are the. I'm I'm kind of in. I'm kind of not. I don't want the Democrats to win. I, I want to be able to support him. I like a lot of what he does. He frustrates me at the same time, right? I think that's the overwhelming ratio of, of this audience. And and he needs, when, when you're president, because three states gave you margins of victory by a total of 76,000 votes, mm. not in each state, but total, you need every single one of those people all in in November if you're going to win. And... I, I And this this started with him going after the governor of Georgia, and I kind of chalked it up at the time to a personal axe between them. But he's actually stayed pretty consistent with this very tepid, milk-toasty messaging for the last couple of weeks. And our audience, at least from what I'm seeing, is not happy with it. Yeah. I think, you know, when you're talking about your audience, your base, it reminds me of the song, Give Me One Good Reason to Stay Here, and I'll Turn Right Back Around. Meaning, I want to be with you but you've got to give me a reason to stay here. Mm-hmm. And the reason that they want to see Donald Trump be Donald Trump right now is to say, we need to ro- reopen America for business. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've done everything that we could to, to flatten the curve. They said, that's what we need to do. We did. Our healthcare capacity is not being overrun right now. Every, every place in America is not New York City. And I think as you put in one of your tweet, nor is it Montana, right. nor is it Iowa. Right. We're different. But we need to reopen what we can reopen while protecting the fragile and the vulnerable. 
Um, but I, I think maybe what they saw, I did not watch the town hall last night, but I only can guess uh, what they saw was, um, you know, just I'm not sure what we're going to do yet. Are we opening or are we closing? And that's not the response they're looking for. I don't, I, I, tw- I texted you something this morning and I said this to the audience before you came on. I never have thought there's any possible way he could lose to team dementia. Mm. Provided Biden survives in the ticket and there's a New York Times op-ed today, time to talk about replacing Biden. So we shall see whether that, if, if, whether he remains or not. But, but I, today, after what's gone, I've, I've watched it the last few days and especially last night, I do think it is possible. And the reason why is because issues frame the electorate. And then the way the electorate is framed determines who wins. Because you do not win elections nowadays the old model 40 percent of republicans 40 percent of democrats 20 percent that's out the window we, with, with modern technology social media polarization and everything else election that's why you don't discount every poll that has a, a biased sample now if cnn gives you a sample uh that and when i say a biased sample meaning that it oversamples one party than sure. the other now if cnn gives you a plus five democrat i'd pay attention to that if the CNN gives you plus 12, you're being lied to because there's no that's not possible. All right. But but voter intensity also determines likelihood to vote. Right. And if if panic porn is an issue in this country six months from tomorrow, he's not winning. I don't care who the nominee is. I don't care if Joe Biden is literally overdosing, if they're if they're hiding aluminum. Uh, as, as he forgets his name in debates, he's not going to win. Well, the thing he is- can't win that debate. Now, if the debate is about America's comeback, it doesn't matter if the Democrats nominate Thomas Jefferson, Andrew Jackson, Bill Clinton. If Barack Obama, if we if we suspend the Constitution, run Barack Obama again, Trump's going to win that election. Mm-hmm. But because that it depends on which issues frame the debate, because it's not about winning a majority of people. It's about winning the majority of the people who show up. His people will not be uber motivated on. Well, we still have to vote against Democrats because uh, because their panic porn's even worse. Mm-hmm. That won't win in November. And the thing is, I think the relevant point here is that America's not going to open up immediately. And so what he needs to be doing is cast some vision for America to be opening up and and be pumping in optimism right now. I mean, all the data has shown that flu-like symptoms is on the decrease, uh, hospitalizations we got capacity for. You see it in community after community after community. Even the most, I mean, you knew, I mean, you, you knew that with me. I was very cautious in this deal going in. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of people way more cautious than me, but about everybody's right now, let's pop the clutch and let's get back to living again. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we can deal with He's this. He's got an easy di- win. Just go back to his original talking yeah. points. We we wanted to avoid crushing the healthcare system. Sure. We did that. We probably did it too well. We've got rural hospitals closing. Yeah. Everyone else is laying people off. So we, we got stockpile. We got stockpiles of ventilators. We got yep. stockpiles of PPEs. We're, we're prepared for the next go around. But now we're going to get America open again. Remember what, what, what happened last time? Last three and a half years, what this economy did under my leadership? Exactly. Think what this will do now, but we need to get it going again. Here's the other thing, too. The longer he avoids getting on that message, the more he allows Biden or the de- whoever the Democratic nominee is to avoid getting scrutiny from the American people. Mm-hmm. All right. That, that takes him off of offense. Now, I said I wanted to contrast two leaders. President Trump is one. All right. I want to show our audience. This is from our home state of Iowa. OK. On April 1st, the IHME model, that's the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, University of Washington models. 
that were used by Anthony Fauci and Debbie Burks to convince the president, every mayor, every governor in America to shut down the country. Okay. Mm -hmm. On April 1st, the IM or the IHME model accounting for social distancing, even though Iowa was given low marks on that because we never had a shelter in place. Because people always say, well, the reason they didn't meet the numbers is because of the social distancing. No, the IHME model factored social distancing into all of its projections all along. That's not accurate. Okay. On April 1st, this model said that on April 30th, Iowa was going to hit 1,300 coronavirus deaths. As of May 3rd yesterday, there were only 184 deaths in the state of Iowa from coronavirus. And Governor Reynolds never instituted a shelter in place either. Your thoughts on that data? Well, Governor Reynolds has been, I think, a very wise leader the entire way. Uh, she didn't buy into the pressure. There's a lot of public pressure. And it would have made a lot of sense for her to say, you know what, I am going to go shelter in place. That was the safe thing to do. She never did it. Basically saying, you know, Iowa's not New York City. We don't have the data to support that at this time. She and I were on a call together, just the, the two of us. And she said, you know what, we're going to have coronavirus. Uh, we're going to have to learn to deal with it. But shutting down the economy is not sustainable. And she's leading. She's reopening up Iowa right now. She highlights what Iowans are doing. She invited our Church Ambassador Network Director, Greg Baker, to be part of her daily briefing last week Friday to talk about churches reopening and the guidelines that are being proposed out there. And even though she took kits because we happen to believe in marriage and the sanctity of human life and Greg Baker is part of her press conference, she really didn't care because she knows what the church network is doing in the state of Iowa. So I think she's being wise. I think she's bold. She's courageous. She would win by a landslide. I agree. Today. I agree. She if would. she was up in November 2020, there'd be nobody could even come close to her. And she ended up winning in 2018 when a lot of Republicans around the state yeah. did not or struggled. to. But the other thing with Kim Rails, I mean, she has she has had a steady, steady hand. And she has also understood the difference between Iowa and New York City, the underlying conditions that exist here. They're cramped in quarters. They have a pollution that we don't have here. Uh, we, we have So why not address clean air in an urban environment like New York City? Why not get to some real solutions? And I just think she, uh, she did it right. She did it well. So if you could, with your mutual contacts, if you could broker a summit— between Kim Reynolds and Donald Trump. What do you think the conversation would be? I think it would be Governor Reynolds by saying we need to reopen this thing. Uh, I mean, coronavirus is, is a real deal. Every one of the deaths we've had here in Iowa is tragic, mm -hmm. okay? But it's not near what was projected. People want to get back to work. They need to get back to work because you are putting their very livelihood at risk, which puts their very life at risk as well. And I think Donald Trump recognizes that or he realizes that. But I think for the sake of his campaign, for the sake of his presidency, for the sake of the country, he needs to be a bold, courageous, and confident leader right now. Not be the victim here. But I've been treated worse than Lincoln. That, that's not it. Mm -hmm. Be the leader now and pump optimism into America that we will get through this. I mean, the tweet he sent out today, we, all these ventilators, we stopped having those conversations like in late March. Mm -hmm. why, why are we having that conversation still? What's well, the, tell me tell me what you think's going through his head. Because I'll tell you, my what I heard from somebody really close to the White House this morning is that basically um, uh, whatever Debbie Burks says, he believes. Yeah. Well, that's where I was going to go. I saw Debbie Burks on TV yesterday, and basically what she was saying from the White House lawn, 
So when you're watching Burks, you're watching Fauci, you're watching these other uh, other people, they're always in the Oval Office, they're always in the press briefing room, they're on the White House lawn. It looks like they are part and parcel of this administration and the decision. But Debbie was basically saying, listen, if there's a comeback, if this comes back, we are well prepared with ventilators, PPEs, those types of things. Well, if that's the case, and if we've got the healthcare exactly. capacity, then we need to start moving forward. I mean, how bad is it when Anthony Fauci, who has been the primary pimp of panic porn, well, when he wasn't telling us in January and February there was nothing to worry about because he's taken five different positions on this. So since since he testified in Congress, this is 10 times worse than the flu, and that's what led to the panic, okay? Mm-hmm. He has been our high priest, of uh, high pimp of panic porn in this country for the last month and a half. When he's coming out over the weekend and saying, Americans don't need to be wearing masks walking around in the country. What what the hell are we doing here? Uh, that's a really good question. And, and I think when you take a look at it, I mean, I think it's Costco now that's requiring masks. Yeah. I and, mean, it, and originally I thought they were going to do it for le- for legality, for liability. Yeah. You bring all these, you reopen all these states, bring all yeah. these people in. But most of corporate America has not, I've not seen much of corporate America follow suit with them. I think what you're seeing though, Steve, in my opinion, when I watch the American public and the American people, you see when you, when you put real fear into them, their very life, they personalize it, they personalize their family lives, they're going to do things. So they're even, that's why I say to, to, to President Trump, even when you say we're reopening up America, it's not going to come back overnight. There needs to be stages and phases and get America used to, we're getting back to business. I think it's fascinating what Israel has done. It had maybe the most authoritarian lockdown of any free country in the world. And now it's going totally other way towards more of a a Swedish kind of a model. We've had Australia now. They're going to reopen the schools. Iceland's already done it. Norway, Denmark, um, uh, Sweden, Switzerland, reopening their schools. Japan, South Korea, reopen their schools. I I just, I, I struggle when I don't understand the strategy. And I, I don't understand this strategy I, that the president is pursuing. I don't understand what the winning, he's setting himself in. I'll give you, this is the last question. Tell me how he has set himself up to declare victory then. What, what, is, what does the win look like? Well, I don't think you can waffle on shut down, open up, and you, you can't declare victory there. That's why he needs to get out in front of this. Exactly. I, I, I told you, he yeah. needs to get out in front of these governors and let these governors show that they're following him. Right. What's happening, these governors are out in front of him. And so will he exactly. be, be fought? With Israel, real quick, their main revenue source is tourism. The reason they locked it down quickly was the last place, the last thing you would do is send a message that Israel isn't safe, so we're locking it down. Good point. Now, why are they reopening it? Because their number one revenue source is tourism. Mm. We need people back into Israel. All right. Hey, good stuff, man. Good, good to have to you see back. You. you bet. All right. Next hour for our Monday town hall. Feel naughty. <laughs> it is a little subversive, right? <laughs> I said, to, you know, walking around over the weekend and going to one of the free counties here in Iowa, uh, and I took my wife uh, up there to Story County and went out to dinner and everything else. It, I mean, I was like, this must have been what it felt like to be like one of the smokers in high school, you know, like part of the subversive subculture. All right, we're going to have our Monday town hall when we come back. We're going to talk to an, an actual Iowa farmer on the front lines of the supply chain and take your calls. Do you think the president's doing enough to reopen the country? That's coming next. Stay tuned.
And greetings. Back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace, Todd Erzin, and Aaron McIntyre. They're here with me as well. If you'd like to join us, 888-900-3393 is the number. That's 888-900-3393. We're going to be getting to your phone calls this hour. Took a poll of our Twitter following over the weekend through this morning. Almost 73% said they don't think the president is doing a good enough job uh, in uh, reopening the country. 27% said yes. We want to know where you're at with that question and why. Coming up later this hour. 888-900-3393. You can also email us, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And don't forget, you can get samples of this show that you can share with others at youtube.com slash Steve Dace. And if you are a podcast listener, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, we would be very grateful because the more of those we get, the more it helps the show to grow. Thank you to all of you that have sent one of those in. Thousands of you have done so already. So thank you to all of you for doing that. Uh, keep those coming, please. Uh, Kyle and Josh were both losing their hair. No shock since the dreaded male pattern baldness gene ran in each of their families, but the way they dealt with their hair loss could not have been more different. Kyle kept putting off getting a hair loss treatment, losing more hair by the day, while Josh went to Keeps to learn how to keep his hair. Because Keeps offers the generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products, therefore they're the real deal, but the generic versions saved Josh a ton of money as well, and all it took was a quick online consultation. He answered a few questions, snapped a few pics of his hair, and then a doctor evaluated everything and recommended the right FDA-approved hair loss treatment for Josh. And then it was shipped discreetly to his door. He saved a ton and his hair without ever leaving his couch. To get you started, how about half off your first order right now? Half off your first order at keeps.com slash grow. That's keeps.com slash grow and get half off your first order. This morning, Kentucky Congressman Thomas Massey. He has been on a mission to address the food supply and what we have done to it with these mass shutdowns because of coronavirus. He tweeted out this morning, if you're under the impression that the government has fixed problems with the food supply, you've been duped. Expect higher prices, more imported food of questionable origin, and domestic supply disruptions for at least three months. Well, here in Iowa, of course, we live in the breadbasket of America's food supply chain. So I wanted to talk to somebody local about this who's actually farming, right? Not, not that, you know, associations or spokespeople are terrible, but they're getting their information from people like the individual we're about to talk to. So let's just go right to the source about the source. Someone who's on the front lines of America's food supply. His name is Caleb Hamer. He's just a good old fashioned Iowa farmer. And he joins us here on The Blaze. How are you, Caleb? good steve how are you i could be a little better but i could be a lot worse you know how it is you got you got more freedom on the weekend it looked like than i did yeah so. i did but but that's because i don't have a real job you had to work over the weekend uh with our I, food supply and, yeah and i'm in blackhawk county so we can't go to the restaurants yet we can't in polk either but story county is just a county away todd you went south to warren county just south right i did it was glorious yes yeah, so the, no neighboring counties to blackhawk are free that you can take advantage of um, Grundy is open, I do believe, okay. but some of the restaurants are still slowly, uh, just doing carry out that I saw. Okay. For those wondering our state, 77 of our 99 counties are open. The 22 counties where about 90% of our current coronavirus cases are, are, uh, 
are inhabited, they remained closed until May the 15th. But uh, I felt like the Dukes of Hazard escaping Boss Hog and Roscoe to the next county over outside their jurisdiction. I kind of felt like that uh, over the weekend by going to a free county, but we had a ton of fun. All right, so food supply. Let's start with that tweet from Thomas Massey. Based on what you're hearing from other farmers, which you're seeing yourself, do you think it's possible we're looking at a multi-month disruption of the food supply chain? Well, Steve, I will speak uh, mainly to the meat sector in Iowa. You know, we're feeding hogs and poultry and cattle. I can't say a whole lot about the produce. I don't have a tremendous amount of knowledge about that. But um, these supply chain from the pork and the beef side is highly disrupted due to the closing of the meat packing plants. Um, there is animals out here. They need to get to slaughter sooner than later before farmers have to start making uh, terrible decisions about having to euthanize animals because they're at market weight and it's expensive to keep these things on feed when they should have been harvested already. Mm. Can you quantify for our audience what that may look like to them in the weeks and months ahead when they either go to a restaurant or they do their grocery shopping and depending on which way this ultimately goes, can you kind of quantify, give them, what does that look for them? How does that look for them as a consumer, Caleb? I would guess um, based on uh, boxed beef pricing and some of the other uh, retail level pricing that may continue to rise. Uh, that is not getting to the local farmers. I promise you uh, the packer margins last week on beef and pork, I looked up, uh, they were making almost $800 a head on cattle and the farmer was recording a $260 loss for every, uh, every steer sold, uh, similar type situation in hogs, less, less dollars involved there, but the packers making money and the farmers losing. I think you will continue to see hamburger prices rise and some of the pork cuts rise. Um, and that's just due to these mega plants like Tyson and Waterloo being shut down and, um, like I said, they're just not able to process the amount of animals they should be processing on a daily basis. What's your window before danger zone? You said you, you guys could be approaching a, you know, a time or a juncture where you have to make some difficult decisions if you don't send these animals off to, for, to slaughter. What is that juncture? How far away from uh, it are you? From the hog side, some of the major producers in the state are at that juncture. Uh, I talked to some neighbors at the end of last week. They said they had to a 20-day window before they have to start making terrible decisions. And so that, that would be your hams, your bacons, right? Things of that nature. Yep. And when the restaurant industry got taken away from us, that was a lot of it. Because, I mean, if the bacon's a condiment in the restaurant industry. Mm -hmm. And that's just not getting sold right now. Uh, loins and chops and some hams are still getting sold. But the bacon market and the, the, the belly market has pretty much gone away. If those animals have to be put down, does that then come with an assumption in a decline of production from there? Or do you maintain current levels of production, assuming that eventually the demand will keep up? I guess what I'm asking is, um, is there a further lag after that decision? Meaning, is there an assumption put in since we had to make this decision with these animals now, then we are foreseeing that there'll be a delay in demand for the foreseeable future, which could lead to a multiple month disruption at that point. Well, when you look at the meat sector, you have poultry, pork, 
and beef. And due to the breeding cycle and the amount of time it takes on feed to finish those animals out, it takes weeks to turn the poultry industry around, months to turn the hog industry around, and years to turn the beef industry around. Mm. Um, the farmers I talked to haven't, uh, they may have soon or chose to, but the, the replenish cycle on the hogs has not slowed down because the futures market is telling them six, eight, nine months out, there is still going to be demand for hogs. So they haven't slowed down the replenishment yet. Um, if they choose to do that, it will take months to get it built back up. So in other uh, words, this could be, th 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 it's still conceivable that this could be a one-time blip loss in that market, provided the replenishment levels remain um, remain stable. Is that There's still a chance that could be the case, right? Yes. If these farmers can remain viable long enough to keep farming into that time frame. What I hear you saying then is we really kind of got to look at what the future markets are telling folks like you, right? Uh, correct. Uh, the hog, I looked uh, a little while ago, hogs were up again today and they were up at the end of last week, but that's not indicative of what's happening in the cash market at ground level at some of these packers. There's so many hogs that should have been coming to market and now they're not harvesting at the amounts they should be harvesting so there's hardly any worth to a hog on today's date but the futures market is telling us come october come december these things should be getting closer to break even again okay what's the biggest thing you're worried about as a farmer caleb both both you individually because i want our audience to to know what families like yours operations like yours are looking at right now but then on a macro level big picture what's the big concern that you have uh, we need this whole commodity. I mean, we're in the middle of a multiple black swan event. Um, at the beginning of March, we started an oil war when the Saudis started pumping oil like crazy. That tanks the corn market and some of the other grain markets overnight. And then we have this loss of uh, the animal sectors getting hammered. And the, so the feed use is probably going to go down in the short term. Uh, we grow corn and soybeans. And our concern is if we don't get people back on the roads, back in the restaurants. Um, you know, the ethanol demand is down, the feed demand is down. Uh, the restaurant industry in itself is a huge, a huge thing that we're missing right now because people aren't going and ordering a steak, they're going home and cooking hamburger. There's a large uh, variance in the value of those cuts to the cattle farmer right now. Uh, similar with pork, as I mentioned earlier about the bacon. So once we get reopened, I would encourage everybody to uh, support your local grocery store and support the local restaurants and get back to ordering those uh, steaks, throw some bacon on the baked potato and whatever else you want to get. Yeah, I've, I've tried having my local steak place deliver me a steak, curb, you know, is not the <laughs> same not as the having same. it cooked terrible, hot right man. off the grill right there. It's just, it's just not the same. It's, it's just not. No, it's so, not. So give us an idea. What is your day looking like right now? Uh, we will finish planting corn today, um, which is another story because of the tremendous weather we've had. We probably are looking at one of the biggest corn crops this country has ever planted. Uh, but now we're also wondering where are we going to go with all that corn if the ethanol industry and the meat sectors don't snap back. So that will be the rest of today. Uh, coming weeks, we'll finish planting soybeans. And then um, at some point, we're going to get back to shipping corn again to one of the local feed mills. What's your, what's your view of how Governor Reynolds has handled this? Because everybody has their own local concerns, but I have to believe her concern about the food supply chain 
is one of the reasons why she's been when it came to the shutdowns, one of the more one of the most cautious governors in the country. And then when it's come to the reopening, she's become one of the more aggressive. I have to believe some of the information that you have shared with our audience has been a driving force in her trying to take more of a, a big picture, long term view to this. Well, I think she's done tremendous and she did what she could for as long as she could to protect the supply chain. And then apparently protecting the supply chain didn't matter anymore once we started closing some of these uh, hog slaughter facilities. So um, I understand that people are getting sick and we need to figure there's get there has to be a way to get these things open and running and keep people safe at the same time. The White House uh, put the the, uh, the emergency uh, defense production order, I can't remember exactly what it's called, the legislation from World War II applied it to the meatpacking plants. I would have, now we're hearing all kinds of stories about positive tests out of these meatpacking plants. We're not hearing a lot of stories about body bags, though, coming out of these meatpacking plants from people dying of the virus at the exact same time. So I would imagine that you are, uh, you were in favor of the White House taking that action. I think it was about a week or so ago. Yeah, and and it's going to help, I hope. But understand, as they close these uh, meatpacking facilities down, they're going in on those assembly lines and installing the plexiglass and the protective equipment. And because of that, we're spacing out the workers on those assembly lines to six feet instead of however close they were before. So even when we get these things open and running, uh, those assembly line chains are going to be running slower. And I heard over the weekend, best case scenario would be 80 to 85% capacity once we get reopened. This is a key thing for, I think, the average American that all they know about your farm and Caleb is it tastes good, all right, as I used to say. Um, but it's a little bit like oil. You can pump as much of it out of the ground as you want. If you have, don't have any refineries, it, you, you know, it's, it's just sitting in a barrel, right? Similar yep. to you can, you can do whatever you want with your cattle, with your, with, with your poultry, with your pork. But if there's nowhere to process it into the, the products, process it, I should say, into the products we buy and then consume, whether it's what we buy from a store or at a restaurant, then it, that's, it's irrelevant at that point. That's, that's what the threat to the supply chain is. Correct. And, you know, you, people may ask, why would they be euthanizing hogs? Well, you can't just put a hog on a ration where it's not going to gain weight. And there's a certain point where it's not desirable for the food chain to, if they get to a certain size. And it's actually a more expensive feed ration to put a hog on a zero gain diet than it is a regular feed ration. Before I let you go, what's the question I didn't ask you? because I don't know as much about this as you do. So what's the question I didn't ask you that our audience needs to know the answer to? Um, that we need to know the answer to. Um, <clears throat> 40% of the nation's hog slaughter was gone last week, and we need to start ratcheting that back up, because if that continues at 40%, that 20-day window I talked about might be getting smaller in a hurry. Mm. Well, if you thought Americans were already upset... Take their bacon away, all right? And you ain't seen nothing yet, all right? Caleb, thank you so much for doing this, and uh, you guys are swamped right now. So uh, setting this up and your willingness to come on and, and provide this information to our audience, God bless you, man. Really appreciate it. Thank you for the work you're doing, okay? All right, Steve. Hey, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. You bet. That's Caleb Hamer, just your, just your Iowa farmer, man, salt-of-the-earth guy that uh, makes sure you get all the bacon you want. So- Gentlemen, your thoughts on that conversation? Yeah, I'm furious. This this is the gated community effect personified. We, we so much of America has no idea what a Caleb Hammer is. 
All of this talk, trust the experts, Netflix and chill. You can't pause the economy for a while. You want old people to die. You want to trust the experts? It's more obvious now, but I'm from day one. Were anybody you talking to a guy like him? He knew. He knew you need to be able to walk and chew bubblegum at the same time, not to get our flat screen TV so we can eat. <laughs> Honestly, th- this is utter, th- what we have done, pray to God, pray that this goes down in the annals of human history as one of the most grotesque embarrassments ever. Because if we understand that, maybe we'll learn some lessons to never let it happen again. Uh, honest to God, I, Pray we have all kinds of Caleb's out there. Pray that they aren't just uh, farmers in the future, but end up being the founding fathers who did that and much more. Ran for office, uh, ran for school board, controlled much more uh, of the universities. We should make that guy the president of the University of Iowa, as far as I'm concerned, because he just knows way more about regular life than you damn fools who keep making sure that the number of pronouns you believe in on Facebook is up to date. This country is a farce. God bless Caleb. Yeah, so I, you know, I I believe Caleb actually works on a on a multi generational multi generational farm. Those are some of the some of the coolest stories you'll you'll ever you'll ever hear about the the generations that are just working the ground that are growing things whether it's animals, whether it's, uh, whether it's corn or soybeans that, that are growing things so that we can actually actually live and actually enjoy life and actually enjoy some of the fruits of the abundance that the American way of life has, has let us enjoy. That's being threatened, those amazing stories and the very ability for us to actually have food in our bellies are being threatened based on the profits of scientism right now, based on those who regularly get their jollies off on panic porn, who three months ago, 85% of the people who were regularly getting their jollies off on panic porn had Elizabeth Warren or Pete Buttigieg yard signs up in their yard. Or if they didn't, they probably wouldn't vote for, for Donald Trump or the likes of him anyway, if that was their other option. And yet the person that we just heard from, yeah, uh, last week, 40 percent, 40 percent capacity, I believe he said, was slaughter was down 40 percent of, of hogs. These are things that don't just, you know, there is there is still this chance, hopefully, if things start moving a little faster, there is still a chance that this, this in some some sectors could just be a blip. But my goodness, when he's talking about for poultry months turnaround. For ho- or for weeks turnaround, for hogs, months turnaround, for for beef, they're different animals, different sizes, takes longer for them to grow. For beef, it's a, it's a multi-year turnaround, and these are things that are threatened based on what an IHME model that showed us that we were going to have uh, a million deaths, two million deaths if we didn't do anything, a hundred thousand to a hundred, you know, two hundred forty thousand deaths if we did things, to sixty thousand, now eighty thousand. This was all based on pseudoscience, scientism models, and fear porn from the virtue signaling class sitting on their cul-de-sac, yelling at the kids outside to put a mask on. Meanwhile, Caleb's way of life is at risk, and all of us— Which means our way of life is at risk. Which means all of our ways of life Mm -hmm. are at risk. If we have to go uh, start paying 10 to 15 bucks for a pork chop, 
Uh, you bet your sweet bippy. It doesn't matter how much you make. If you're in the middle class in the United States, uh, you're going to be coming. You're not going to stay there for very long if that's how much you have to pay for a pork chop. Let me give you another angle to this you've not even considered. School lunch programs. Where do you think a lot of that food comes from? It comes from people like Caleb Hammer. And let's go to cities, Chicago, Detroit, Washington, D.C., New York City. How many kids are in cities like this? Los Angeles, where it could be their only or one of their only meals in a given day. Right? Yeah. Right? Well, what happens if that supply chain gets wrecked? The law of unintended consequences here is extraordinary. And... It's, it's obvious that most of these things were not thought through. If you want to cut everybody some slack in March for not thinking them through, I don't agree with that, by the way. But I understand that and would, be, and would, would, would give grace and mercy where that is concerned. But what we have done in the month of April was inexcusable based on all the data we had everywhere. Everywhere. I mean, pretty much every in every industrialized nation is showing now anywhere from 43 to 57% of their deaths were in nursing homes. We didn't even bother to protect the most vulnerable among us while we decided to commit economic, socioeconomic suicide and tell people with tumors and needing back surgeries and who knows what else to stay home. We didn't even think it through. I'm, I'm with Todd. I'm not... I'm not interested anymore in discussion. I'm mad. I'm mad now. Someone has to pay for this now. That, that's where I am at. And I'm not alone. I'm looking at a poll our good friend Constantinus Roditis just sent me. Who, what did he get, 3 million votes for state treasurer in California? It was millions, I don't remember the I exact number. it was about number. 3 million in 2018. He was on the ballot, right? Mm-hmm. For state treasurer. He just sent me this poll of California from Remington Research Group. I want to start with this data line because I think it's important so that you can see the sample of the people that they they pulled here. They were asked to give their approval, disapproval to Governor Newsom out there in California. He has a 64% approval in this poll. That's that's extraordinarily high, right? So a 64% approval for his handling of coronavirus and the pandemic in this poll. So this is an audience that is favorable to him. So keep that in mind when I share with you the rest of these numbers. Should you arrest protesters and fine them? 27% said yes. Or should you allow protesters to express their views? 58% said yes. That's almost a plus 30 swing in favor of permitting free speech. From the same audience that gave you a a plus 35 favorable for Governor Newsom. Should California remain closed indefinitely? Meaning until magical vaccine appears from on high. 36% say yes. Should California reopen now? 41% say yes. Reopen now, plus five. From a poll sample that's very favorable to Gavin Newsom. 
How, the, the, the next question, what about an alternative proposal for reopening California that essentially says, if you can practice the sanitation and social distancing that the big box stores have uh, supposedly done to allow themselves to remain open, we should allow any business that can do that to open. Look at this. 72% said yes. 13% oppose. And again, I keep resetting this because that first question is the key. From an, This is from a sample that is very favorable to Governor Newsom. And 72% of those people said, hey, if you're willing to do what Walmart and Costco did, let everybody else open as well. So this is from California. Okay. Do you think some counties with lower infection rates should be able to reopen sooner? That's what's going on in our home state, right? 63%. Yes. 63%. Yes. Should you open beaches and parks? 51%. Yes. 42%. No. And again, this is from a polling sample. I'm going to keep resetting this. Who gave a 64% approval rating to Gavin Newsom when this, when, when the questions began. What about giving illegal aliens a thousand dollars a month? for the disruption of their lives because of COVID-19. 27% agree. 59% say no. You know what this all means, don't you? What does it mean? Donald Trump is officially full-on a Republican now. Because what have you said all these years about what Republicans do? They say who you have to appeal to because we just can't win that way when the data on any number of issues always says the opposite thing mm -hmm. and they just don't do it. They virtue signal in the direction they don't want to go. This is the look. Donald Trump has been given a free pass freer than and he could possibly ever imagine pre coronavirus to move forward aggressively on an issue. And he's not. I haven't had, by the way, uh, when you look at the demographics of this, um, the overwhelming, or, or I shouldn't say overwhelming, let me not oversell it. The majority of negative responses, meaning people that lock down indefinitely, keep the beaches and everything closed, are from San Francisco compared to the whole rest of the state. <laughs> so so basically, it's it's Nancy Pelosi's district versus the world for you know, if you want to make it more circumspect. Do they have uh, ice cream in their fridges in San Francisco? Uh, <laughs> nice. But here's another key question. All right. If the state doesn't open by June 15th, would you sign a recall petition against Governor Newsom? Only 37% said yes. These are his people, man. This is his constituency. I don't want to recall him. I approve of the job he is doing. And even... That sample is saying, plus nine, yes, open the beaches and the parks. Plus five, yes, reopen now. Plus 35, yes, if you can do the same thing that Walmart and Costco do, you should be able to open your business. In the People's Republic of California, guys, in the People's Republic of California. So here's the question we now want to ask you. I put up those poll numbers earlier in the show. Not, not, not happy. Not a happy base right now, at least on this show. 
72% of you think the president is not doing enough to reopen the country. 28% thinks that he is. Well, 71.7, 28.3 to be exact. Where are you at with this? Do you think the president is doing enough to reopen America? We want to hear from you. 888-900-3393 is the number. That's 888-900-3393. We're going to be up against a break here in a couple of minutes, and we'll get to your calls right after. At 888-900-3393. You guys didn't get a chance to chime in on that conversation when Bob Vanderplatz and I had it last hour. What do you think? I think he's largely irrelevant right now. I think President Trump is largely irrelevant. Three weeks ago, my wife and I probably would have uh, watched an event like uh, last night with the with the town hall, the Reopen America town hall. We just we're, we're so ba- burned out on the White House's handling of this that we didn't even bother, and we watched Endgame again. Uh, so that was that was a much better use of our time. But it's because we just don't. The White House, the White House has made it clear that they're not going to show leadership, at least not yet. Leadership, like being an actual cheerleader for reopening for for their constituency, it's all just uh, Fauci, Burks, the good cop, bad cop routine. There's so many mixed messages in this that he is largely irrelevant until he actually gets on the right side of history of this. Trump's middle name may as well be Karen at this point. Yikes. Unless he changes. Let's find out what you think. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393 when we come back. By the way, just want to reiterate those numbers again out of California. 64% approval rating for Governor Newsom in the same poll that finds allow protest, 58% yes, 27% no, reopen everything now, 41% yes, 36% no, let businesses that can social distance open, 72% yes, allow counties with low numbers to reopen, 63% yes, pay illegals off because of the virus, 59% no, 27% yes, all from the same poll. That gives Governor Newsom a 64% approval rating. Let's go to the phones. Do you think President Trump is doing enough to reopen America? Yes, no, maybe so. 888-900-3393 is the number. Let's start with Ray in Montana. Ray, you're up first here on our town hall. Go ahead, sir. What do you think? Well, I'm a ma'am. I think the president needs to do more to open the country. Do not let the liberals shut our country down. My greatest concern is due to uh, COVID-19 is tyranny. There are many governors using draconian approaches to COVID-19. And prior to this, they have been using the same approaches to child and family services. So do not listen to liberals who attack Christian views. All right. Thank you, Ray. Appreciate it. And my bad for the gender mis- misidentification. <laughs> There's a lot of that going around these days. Thank you, ma'am. I got it right that time. Thank you for the phone call, Ray. 888-900-3393. Ray says, nope. Nope. Needs to do more. You agree or disagree? Let's find out what Mike in Kentucky thinks. Mike, welcome to the blaze. What say you, sir? Well, what I say is, is this, uh, uh, your numbers show that there's a whole lot of people that don't understand the Constitution. I mean, we have governors that have actually shut the, state, the states down, not the president. 
Now, the president has the federal authorities to be able to do this, but what the president should be doing is dealing with uh, his attorney general and having the attorney general file for writs of mandamus against these governors who are forcing people uh, to lock down and violating their constitutional rights because the president can have the attorney general petition the Supreme Court to have a writ of mandamus against that governor and force them to recognize its citizens' constitutional rights and do their job that they swore an oath to do. Mike, do you think putting out things, no further guidelines, things of that nature, um, do you think that's something the president could do uh, to, again, put more pressure on these governors, give them no federal fig leaves to hide behind whatsoever? Well, the federal fig leaf he's hiding, letting them hide behind right now is he's funding their local and state governments. Mm. Take the money away. Force them to do what they are constitutionally required to do. And if they don't do it and they don't give them the money to do it, then have the court come down on them and force them to do their jobs. You see, I mean, you don't have 50 separate countries in our, uh, in our, in our country. These states have to abide by the federal constitution and they're not doing so they're acting as if well we can do whatever we want to do we're the governors we can do what what we want but when you take a situation where you have laws that are specifically attacking churches specifically attacking uh small businesses specifically attacking uh other industries that are massive Interstate commerce, well, you have the interstate commerce clause that the, the Congress could act under because states don't have a right to interfere with anything that uh, violate, uh, that upholds interstate commerce. You have the writ of mandamus that a president can come in and say this person is uh, refusing to acknowledge their First Amendment rights of their citizens. Therefore, I want the court to make a decision. At least then he will look as if he is actually trying to lead the people as opposed to trying to play this game where he can blame all the governors that it's their fault, not his, so reelect me. Mm-hmm. So I, I just don't under, I, I don't get along. I, I don't agree with the political strategy of the neocons that are around Trump that are trying to say, uh, just make, make, make it look like Gavin did this. No, don't make it look like you did it. He has done nothing legally other than make recommendations. The governors are the ones making these orders because he doesn't have the constitutional right to do it unless right. he wanted to claim, declare martial law. Right. Okay. Good phone call, Mike. Your idea, that's the uh, same idea Daniel Horowitz has, our, our, our contemporary here, which is no federal funds, no bailout money, nothing without a reopen. All right, you reopen, um, and and we'll talk, but nothing without that. Let's go to Matthew in Oklahoma. Matthew, welcome to the Blaze. You're on, sir. Go ahead. Let me preface this with that uh, I didn't vote for the president in 2016. I didn't vote for anybody. Um, however, uh, my opinion has changed over time that I am going to vote for him in November. This being said, um, as this has gone on, I was willing to give him a pass as we've gone on and done this stuff. But as we go further along, I'm becoming more impatient. Um, I am here in Oklahoma, and we have started to reopen, but we have city mayors who are refusing to do what the governor has asked to do in doing the first-step process and working through that. And I think that the president putting out that three-step process has given them a, a thing to hide behind. 
And I agree with the last caller, exactly in the process that needs to happen. Put pressure on these states. You don't get funding. You don't get help. We'll cut you off if you don't do what we told you to do. And it's time to open this country back up. My wife was a medical transcriptionist. I never thought she would be not working. Um, She works from home. She's an independent contractor. She went from 25 to 35 to 40 jobs a day down to one to zero. There's Mm -hmm. no reason for this. And I don't understand what's going on. And now we're sitting working, trying to fight for getting the funding on the unemployment to get it back. We still have not got that yet uh, to happen. Um, We just finally got our PUA applied for and done on Friday. And still we're hearing maybe two to three more weeks before we even think about maybe getting any money back on that. And I I don't want, I'd rather not be funded that way. I'd rather her be working. And that's what needs to happen. Mm I think a lot of people share your opinion, even in the People's Republic of California, apparently, Matthew. Thank you for the phone call. Appreciate it. And those California numbers go to what I said at the top of the show. If panic porn is one of the main issues on the table when people go to vote in that exit polling, because we always find out what issues people voted on before we find out how they voted. That's We always find that out first. If panic porn is one of the, it's not going to say panic porn. It's going to be like concerns, coronavirus concerns, et cetera, public health, et cetera, but panic porn. If panic porn is one of those top two or three issues, he will not win. If America's economic bounce back and confidence is one of those top two or three losses, he cannot lose. I, the, the polling from California where Gavin, the same people gave Gavin Newsom a 64% approval rating is just confirmation of that thesis. Let's go back to the phones. Let's go to Phil in Texas. What say you, Phil? Welcome to the place, sir. Thanks for the call. Yeah, how you doing, sir? I'm better than I deserve. Thank uh, you. Well, I understand. Uh, I believe it's time for the president to evolve to the next step. Uh, instead of you know touting you know numbers and, and you know uh, all the stuff he's been touting, he needs to go to the next step and start talking about you know it's time to go back to work. People who if, if you got pre-existing conditions, if you're aged, do what you need to do, keep yourself safe. For the rest of us, it's time to get up and get moving. He needs to get the people you know that how the people know that uh, he's on their side and back them to where they'll put pressure down on the governors to start doing more. Because I don't know exactly, you know, you know, hearing the other guys on, uh, you know, what they need to do the governors, that's one way to do it. But he also needs to get the people behind him. And I think, you know, start to encourage people to get out there and, and get more active. And, you know, if you're healthy, get out and, and get back to work and get things back to normal. He needs to start pushing that and start going against the, you know, the fake press and stuff like that to, to start, you know, pushing the numbers of what real death color is and stuff. It's like you never hear anything about the homeless people. It's like you would think the homeless people would be dying at a huge rate because they could do none of this stuff. You know, living in 10 cities out in California and stuff like that. You don't hear a thing, which, which you know, makes me ask the question, you know, if the homeless people are not having a real bad time with this, right. then... You know, they can't stay six feet apart. They can't right. stay in their homes. They can't work That's exactly hands. right. Here, here, here's the reality. Here, Phil, Phil, here is the reality. of I could sum up all the research I've done, and I have done a ton, probably as much as anybody that doesn't actually work in the medical sector. I have done research on this for the last month. And if it's not me, then it's somebody I've been working with on that research, like Daniel Horowitz. Okay? I could sum it all up with this statement. If you're not 70 or, or, or older... And don't live in a nurse and or don't live in a nursing home. 
This is you're 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 not dying of coronavirus. Very 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 rarely. It's a total outlier except for the panic porn. Now, if you're in a nursing home or 70 and above, it is far more lethal for you than the flu. That could sum up exactly. every I, I could sum up all the research I've done with just that statement. Everything needs to come out and say, yes, these people do what you need to do to stay safe. The rest of us, it's time for you to get things moving again. It's time to get going. That's I'll right. Your back, get Amen. Put pressure on your governors. I'll put pressure on your governors. You guys put pressure on your governors. If he, he does like he does get the people behind him and so, so show that he's he's fooling what we're trying to you know get back to work, you know, then I think in the long run, you know, Getting pressure from both sides, your people in your state, plus the president, who are coming down on your state, that you will get the governors to, you know, move. You know, quit trying to act like they have all the power and all the tyranny. Well said, Phil. Back to, you know, everyday life. Right, right on the money. Thank you, Phil, for the call. Appreciate it. Look at Oregon. When, to go back to what to Mike in Kentucky said, that really the legal power resides in the states. He's exactly right about that. But the political power, as you just heard from Phil, Give the the power of the bully pulpit lies in the president. So, Aaron, you mentioned Oregon has extended their lockdown to what? Jan- July sixth. July sixth. It might as well be January sixth. Yes. So here are or- so Oregon. Oregon has done sixty two thousand tests. It was reporting as of yesterday. Sixty two thousand tests. Of those sixty two thousand tests, two thousand six hundred and eighty came back as positive. 59,374 came back negative. And again, as we've been telling you all along, the initial testing rollout is going to prioritize whom? Whom you assume is the most vulnerable or symptomatic, okay? 62,000 plus tests, 2,680 came back positive in the whole state. 109 people have died in the whole state of Oregon. And they're extending their lockdown into July. By putting the guidelines, the statements he makes, he he's making it easier on these tyrannical Democrat governors in Oregon. He get, needs to remove himself from the equation so that freedom-loving people in places like Oregon and California, they can go one-on-one with their state governors. Because right now, he's muddying the picture, in my view, with his tepid statements. Just say nothing then. But you're providing political cover for these individuals. This is an inexcusable position for the governor of Oregon. 2,600 positive tests out of 62,000 and 109 deaths. And you extend this thing until the, until the first week of July? Stop providing cover for these people. Let's go to Brian quickly in Virginia, which has, I think, the worst human being that, that has an executive office in America currently. Brian, you've got about two minutes, so go ahead, sir. Get right to the point. Well, I know you're referring to Governor Blackface here. Yes. And, uh, I know we're out till June, June 10th, and some cities he's made the uh, proclamation that could be through the end of the year, uh, which is, is just mind-boggling. I just none of this makes sense. And and I've been a big uh, Donald Trump supporter. Um, You know, I've had pom poms out, you know, for the longest time and agree with so much. But this has just gotten to the point of where, as you said earlier, he muddies the waters and it's either needs to, as you said, you know, bow out or he needs to step up, be what he has been and a contrarian. And, you know, he never worried about the press, you know, Democrats, what they said. They're not going to vote for him anyway. 
it's irrelevant, you know, you know, et cetera. But and they're going to lie regardless of what he does. So I don't understand. He's too smart to not see that everything has been wrong. The tests have been wrong. The people are speaking out. The protests are getting, you know, larger. And every every person from police to mayors to governors that have power, you know, they're taking the one thing that they can only get more of, and that's power. Mm-hmm. And they're using it, you know, against against everyone, but especially the ones that, you know, will and can vote for him. And And it's slipping, and I just hate to see that because it's the... As bad as it is, the other option, you know, is I hear you. a whole lot worse. I hear you. Yep. It's November. And you never know. You're exactly right on the Thank money, you. Brian. God bless you. Numbers out of Virginia, 616 deaths from coronavirus out of Virginia. Population, 8.6 million. That means, as of right now, 0.007 Virginians have died of coronavirus. 0.007 of the state's population has died from coronavirus. And keep in mind, this is with, if I fell off, if I was roofing my house and fell off and landed head first and I tested positive for COVID-19, I died of coronavirus, right? Right. With, with that kind of, if I aborted my kid and I had, and, 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 and the, and the fetus had, and the fetal tissue uh, tested positive for coronavirus, it's not an abortion. It's a COVID-19 death. I mean, that's literally what we're doing. And 0.007 of the state has died and they are shut down till the middle of June. Gentlemen, your final thoughts. Good stuff on the phone. It's good calls. I, I think people are having a hard time embracing Occam's razor on this. We just lost Donald Trump on this issue. He 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 said just in front of the Lincoln Memorial, millions would have died had we not. He's he all the work we've been doing on this show for the last two months, he does he believes in the opposite on this issue. He's normally been transactional on a lot of things. He's not transactional on this anymore. He is a true believer, as as true believer in the opposite of what we think regarding this virus as he's been in anything during his presidency. We've just lost him on this issue. Aside, putting aside the the, the double mindedness of Trump, which can can work in our favor greatly sometimes, especially when it comes to broadening the Overton window and can also work against us. Putting that aside, as Jesse Kelly said, I think it was Jesse Kelly last week on the show, as he said, probably wasn't the most ideal situation to have the guy in the overall Oval Office who was a germaphobe New Yorker <laughs> dealing with this issue. <laughs> And that's, I mean, putting aside, again, his double-mindedness, which is on display Sure, it hits close to home. Yes, it hits hits close to home, and he's a germaphobe. So just at a human level, not exactly the guy that you really want running and really relying upon to get us out and open up the, the country again. We're going to stick around and do some overtime for Blaze TV subscribers. And why we were surprised Megan Rapino and the U.S. women's soccer team lost. But we glad, we're glad that they did. We'll get into that. Uh, for the rest of you, we will see you again tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.